Well, good evening. Welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. Let's take our hymn sheets and turn to number 394. Number 394, The Solid Rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand, and the last when he shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Uh, praise God for the certainty and uh, steadfastness that we know in Christ tonight. I want to welcome you to our midweek Bible study, our Wednesday night Bible study here at Long Hill Baptist Church. Uh, tonight we'll be continuing in the book of Judges, uh, looking at the song of Deborah and Barak in Judges 5. So I encourage you to uh, have your Bibles ready. We'll, we'll get there after we sing uh, another song. But let's go ahead first and open in prayer, please. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you. I thank you tonight for the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, our hope is a certain hope, and as the song says, it's built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Lord, I thank you tonight that we have a God who does not change. We have a God who is not surprised by anything in this world. Father, we have a God in you who is there for us always, no matter what. Lord, I thank you tonight for being the solid rock that we need so desperately. Thank you, Lord, for being our, our strong foundation. And thank you, Lord, for being our high tower, a safe place and a firm place. Father, I pray tonight for those who may be hurting, suffering, uh, anxious, depressed uh, in the midst of an ongoing trial. Lord, we know tonight that there will be an end to this trial, and we know tonight that you're there with us accomplishing your purposes no matter what. Lord, I thank you tonight. Those are not just words that we say to comfort ourselves, but they are absolute truths. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for being there for me and for my family and for my church family. And I pray, Father, as we sing now, Lord, that uh, our hearts would rejoice in the fact that we have this wonderful relationship with you. We don't deserve it, but I thank you tonight. It's been made possible by Christ our Savior, the blood he shed, his death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, thank you so much for that. Thank you for a love that big. Lord, I pray that you'd work here tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Take your song sheet, please. We'll turn to Love Lifted Me, Love Lifted Me. We'll turn to 629, Love Lifted Me. We'll sing all three verses of Love Lifted Me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. 
All my heart to him I give, ever to him a cling. In his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best song. Faithful, loving service to, to him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. And the last, souls in danger, look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, builds his will obey. He your savior wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All right, let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Judges, chapter 5. Uh, this is very much uh, the second part of a two-part message, uh, looking at the, the Lord's use of Deborah uh, and Barak uh, as uh, those who would deliver the people from oppression under Jabin, uh, king of Canaan, and his captain or his general, uh, Sisera. Now, you remember, uh, we've seen here the model or the cycle uh, that gets repeated over and over again in this book. We've seen the people stray away from the Lord and take up false gods, the gods of the Canaanites. Uh, they fall into great sin, and the Lord graciously uh, intervenes in their lives by uh, bringing in an enemy king and giving that king uh, uh, the, the permission, really, to uh, oppress his people. Now, you would say, that's, uh, well, how is that a gracious thing, Pastor? Well, it's, it's the corrective hand, the loving hand of God correcting his people under the oppressive hand of an enemy king, uh, bringing them to a point where they finally recognize their error and cry out to the Lord. Uh, a humility is implied in their crying out, uh, a humble repentance is implied in their crying out. Lord hears their voice, he sees their hearts, and he raises up uh, over and over each time uh, a judge, uh, a person to deliver the people from their enemy. Uh, in this case, we see that uh, it's a little bit unusual in that God has uh, chosen a woman of God, Deborah, uh, to uh, urge, to encourage, to prompt a man, Barak, to raise up an army from amongst the people uh, and, and to go out and to carry out God's plan for deliverance from uh, this enemy king, uh, enemy king of the Jabinites, Canaan, uh, and his army captained by Sisera. Deborah has a, a pretty good grasp of the plan as God has laid it out for her. And we saw in chapter 4, uh, the Lord brings that plan to pass as uh, Deborah prompts Barak, and Barak uh, gets busy uh, going, uh, raising an army and taking the army to the place that God ordained. Uh, Deborah uh, has a, a God, God uses um, a situation uh, to bring the enemy onto a plain uh, there below Barak and his army, and the Lord delivers a victory, and the Lord uh, gives the people peace uh, for a number of years after that victory. Now that's that's God's blessing being restored after the people humbly repent of sin. And uh, bear in mind tonight that repentance really has the idea of turning away. It's not just a sorrow. Uh, it's a change of heart that brings a change of action. Uh, it's more than just intent. Uh, it's, it's, it's a new heart that brings a new intent and, and a new action, a turning. And uh, it's, it's the people turning from sin and turning, returning to God uh, that led the Lord to uh, withdraw his corrective hand and to restore uh, his blessing. Now, 
the restoration of blessing, being delivered from an enemy, and having the, the loving hand of God restore blessing, that is a, an occasion for uh, celebration. Uh, that's, a, that's an occasion for rejoicing and praising God. And that's really what chapter 5 is. Uh, Deborah and Barak uh, sing this wonderful uh, song of victory. One man calls it a victory hymn. He says there's a genre of victory literature, and this is perhaps the greatest example of that uh, in Scripture and uh, in, in any secular writing as well. Of course, this, these are not the words of man. These are the words of God. So uh, if this is the greatest victory hymn uh, uh, example of that in any literature, uh, that would be the answer, these, the explanation. These are God's words. Uh, these are God's words being uttered by Deborah and Barak in victory. Uh, and so uh, let's, let's turn uh, our attention to uh, the book here, to Judges chapter 5 uh, and verse 1. Uh, Mother's Day is coming up on Sunday. This Sunday is Mother's Day. Uh, young people, don't forget. Uh, children of mothers, don't forget that Mother's Day is this Sunday. And so I want to just uh, take a moment and say that there is a way to uh, see this song uh, in terms of how it makes a comparison, how it draws a contrast uh, between two mothers. I want you to just get this down in your notes. Do have your notebook out and do make some notes. Uh, there, there is a way of looking at this uh, victory hymn or song of celebration as being uh, a, a comparison, a contrasting of two mothers. First, of course, there's Deborah, a woman of God. She says in verse 7, you'll see that she arose a mother of Israel, uh, a woman of God who arose as a mother over Israel, uh, a protector who uh, in, in a very real way led the people to a very uh, wonderful victory. And then at the end of the song, you'll see reference to the mother of Sisera, the enemy general under Jabin of the Canaanites uh, who was defeated. Of course, she's an enemy of God's people. She suffers great sorrow at the defeat of her people and at the death of her son. So we see here this um, quite striking contrast between a woman who has allied herself with God uh, versus one who has made herself an enemy of God. And uh, the blessings that God bestows on one uh, and the uh, the, the chastisement, the, the, the horror uh, that is bestowed upon the mother of Sisera, the, the sorrow that she suffers uh, at the death of her son. So uh, we'll bring that out as we move through the text here tonight. Here, Judges 5 now, uh, verse 1, the Bible says this, Then sang Deborah and Barak, uh, he's called Barak the son of Abinoam, uh, on that day, saying, uh, on that day, saying, and we see here that what they say in verse 2 is what? Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. So you see them opening this wonderful victory song here, this uh, wonderful celebratory hymn, uh, praising the Lord and encouraging others to be in the business of praising God for being the one who gave the victory, for being the one who arranged all the parts uh, we saw the, uh, the various facets of, of the account in, in chapter 4. God worked sovereignly to bring all the pieces uh, into, of the puzzle into the right place at the right time to deliver victory. Uh, and so he is the one who is worthy of praise here for avenging Israel. The Bible says when the people willingly offered themselves... Well, how did they willingly offer themselves? Uh, we'll see later on in, in the song here that many of the tribes willingly uh, joined into Barak's army uh, and went against uh, Sisera uh, in the place at the time that God ordained. Many willingly placed themselves in harm's way so that the people, the nation, could be delivered from oppression uh, as God worked in them and through them to accomplish that. However, we'll see that some did not. Uh, some did not. And the Lord calls them out here later on in the song. But, but many of the people willingly offered themselves. And what a wonderful example. What a, what a great biblical principle. It's a, it's a reminder that God's people are called to offer themselves to God for his service. Uh, we're not here to serve ourselves. 
Uh, we are here to serve the Lord. Now, yes, some will say, yeah, we're here to serve others as well. Yep, that's, that's true. But in doing that, we're serving the Lord and giving him praise, honor, and glory by obeying his call to be in the business of serving uh, one another. We are called to willingly, humbly present ourselves to the Lord, willingly offering ourselves to him for his service. And boy, when we do, things just go better. Uh, the blessings come. And, and the joy comes, not to say that it's, it's never difficult, of course, it's often difficult, but there's blessings and joy nonetheless. Uh, we see here next, Deborah uh, purposes to be among those singing praises to God. She says in verse 3, it's Deborah and Barak. I think it's really Deborah. She's the one who's mentioned first. She's the one that's been uh, prompting uh, Barak, and she's the one who's probably uh, instigating this song as well. Uh, and so I will probably refer to her being the speaker, uh, perhaps a bit more than Barak is. In any event, verse 3, uh, she says, Or they say, Hear, O ye kings. Give ear, O ye princes. And then she says this. She says, I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. This I, even I, translates this reflexive idea in the underlying Hebrew text that emphasizes uh, the, the personal action, the determination of the speaker uh, to be the one who will do something. Yes, she is wonderfully encouraging others to praise God for what he has accomplished uh, in their lives, in their nation. But at the same time, she is saying, as, as you praise him, I, even I, will do the same. Uh, she's not a preacher who preaches to the congregation uh, without recognizing that the same words apply to himself. Uh, she, she recognizes that there's a call from the Lord upon her, an obligation, a duty to be in the business of praising God herself as she's calling others uh, to do the same. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. Uh, I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Uh, Lord, help us to have the same heart. Uh, I, even I, will praise you, Lord. Well, they begin to sing their song to the Lord uh, and of the Lord. Uh, he's the one that gave victory in the past. He's the one that has just given them victory. Uh, implied is that God is the one who will continue to give victory if they will stay close to him. Verse 4, they say, Lord, when thou wentest out of uh, Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, those two places, by the way, are the same place. Uh, those, those first two uh, parts of verse 4, they're, uh, they're, they're synonymous, they're, they're parallel, uh, they're referring to the same thing. Uh, Seir, S-E-I-R, uh, and Edom are the same place. Uh, Seir is a mountainous area that was uh, occupied by the Edomites. Uh, we know a bit about them. They, were, they were, of course, were enemies of God peop God's people. Uh, later on, they're conquered by David. Still after that, they... Uh, they've kind of reconstituted themselves, and, and they war against God's people during the time of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, but but here, uh, here there's, a, there's a reminder that God has given a victory, at least a temporary victory, over those enemies. The Bible says, The earth trembled and the heavens dropped. The clouds also dropped water. Uh, the mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. Uh, she goes on and, and, and says in the days of Shamgar, the son of Aneth, that's, uh, that's the, the last prior judge before Deborah. Uh, but we see that here it's just a, it's a looking back in time and remembering that the God who gave victory uh, for them is the same God who gave victory to God's people in the past. He's not changed. He was able to give victory over enemies in the past. Uh, he was able to give a victory and restore blessings in the present, uh, in, their, in their present day, and in our present day, too. Remember, the Bible's clear. God does not change. He's just as powerful now as he was then. He's able to work in our lives as he was uh, back in, in the life of Moses uh, atop Mount Sinai. Uh, in, in the song here, in verse 5, they say, The mountains melted before, from before the Lord, even, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. Uh, thinking back to the awesomeness, uh, the awesomeness of God in the days of Moses. Turn back to Exodus 20. Let's, let's see that passage. Uh, it's too good not to. Turn back to Exodus chapter 20, uh, if you would. Uh, there's, there's a reference here to this passage, and uh, just let's, let's quickly see this together. What a, what a wonderful uh, picture here of the awesomeness of God 
uh, experienced by Moses there atop Sinai. Uh, here in Exodus 20, beginning in verse 18, the Bible says, All the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed. They got away. They stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may not be before your faces, that you sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness uh, where God was. Uh, there's more that we could look at there, but what, a, what an amazing picture uh, of the awesomeness of the awesomeness of God. And uh, Deborah is, is taking uh, uh, comfort and being encouraged by and, and uh, celebrating the awesomeness of God uh, in days gone by and in her day. And of course, we, I'll say again, God has not changed. He's just as awesome today uh, as he has ever been. Well, let's pick it up here halfway through verse 6. Uh, he's the same Lord who, who gave victory in the past, and uh, he's, he's the same God who gave deliverance from the daily consequences of the uh, enemy oppression that they had experienced under God's correction, that they had experienced with, uh, as the Lord had raised up Jabin, king of Canaan, uh, to oppress the people. They suffered. Uh, they suffered for years under Jabin. Uh, it was a, a, a big chunk, if you will, uh, of correction that God poured out upon them. Now, I realize they, they could have repented at any point. It took them years uh, to get the idea that they needed to come back to God to repent. And uh, the second part of verse 6 just gives us a little bit of a, a window into the practical daily consequences of the uh, correction that they had experienced. The Bible says in the days of Jael, you remember she's the one who ultimately uh, slayed uh, Sisera. Uh, in, in the days of Jael, the highways uh, were unoccupied. We'll come back to this. And the travelers walked through byways. And what's being pictured there is, is, is evidently something like this. The highways would be the well-traveled paths. That would be the way that people would normally travel in conducting their business, or uh, if they needed to move from one place, one area to another, they would, they would take the, uh, the, the easy way, the most direct route. But evidently, uh, that was an unsafe way. Those were, uh, the, the main roads were controlled by uh, Jabin and, and his troops, and it would be unsafe for the people to travel the main ways, the highways, taking the main streets. Uh, and so they were unoccupied. The travelers walked instead the byways. Make a note in your Bible, byways, the underlying word literally has the idea of crooked paths, uh, crooked paths. I don't think it's saying anything literally about the people. I think it's literally saying the people suffered practical consequences. They had to take the narrow, crooked, indirect way uh, to escape uh, the uh, oppressive hand uh, of this enemy that, that occupied uh, their land. Uh, it was just, this is just a picture of the practical daily consequences of the oppression they suffered uh, under God's corrective hand. Well, finally they repent and the Lord did raise up Deborah and there was a return to uh, normalcy, at, at least a degree of that. Verse 7 says, the inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose that I arose a mother in Israel. And she sees herself very much as a mother. Uh, what does a mother do? A mother protects and provides for uh, the safety and security and, and growth of her children. That, that's her role. And uh, of course, it shouldn't have been the case that they needed a Deborah to come and uh, be in that role. They, they should have stayed close to their, uh, to their Lord, to the, the one true God. Uh, it shouldn't have been necessary for God to raise up one who would uh, mother them like immature young children, uh, and yet they were. They, they were spiritually immature uh, little children before the Lord, uh, and so he did uh, bring into the picture this Deborah uh, who viewed herself as a mother in or to Israel. Now, she's a woman of God. She's called a prophetess. Uh, there's, there's nothing negative said about Deborah at all. Uh, I understand people criticize her for being a, a woman in a, in a role of leadership and how that would violate God's economy, his plan, what we are normally uh, accustomed to seeing. 
uh, and yet God does use her. She's, she's a woman of God, uh, and, and God has chosen to use her in this place at this time uh, as a, uh, a type of a mother uh, for the people of Israel uh, very much. Well, verse 8, she recalls the people's trials uh, that resulted from them having chosen false gods. Uh, verse 8, she, uh, she remembers, they, the people, chose new gods, uh, not good gods or true gods, but little case, G-O-D-S. Uh, they, they walked away from the Lord, the one true God, uh, and they chose new gods. Uh, then, then was war in the gates, verse 8. Then uh, God allowed them to suffer the corrective hand of uh, the oppression of a warring enemy coming in and uh, taking them um, uh, taking them into uh, very much an oppressive condition. Uh, was there a shield or a spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. It gets, it gets more positive here. Uh, Deborah encourages the leaders of the people to praise the Lord. Uh, she's, she's reflected back on, on how bad it was to be under the corrective hand of God. And uh, she's reflected a bit on God rescuing them, and we'll come back to more details in a moment. Uh, but here uh, in verse 9, the Bible says, My heart is toward the governors uh, of Israel that offered themselves, see the next word, willingly. Uh, there, there were those among the people who were leaders, uh, who had a degree of authority, uh, who had some uh, position among the children of Israel, uh, who no doubt were, were used by Deborah and Barak to help raise up an army uh, to recruit and organize an army that would go against Cicero uh, and, 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 and conquer that army such that the people could be delivered. Deborah says, my heart is toward them, the governors of Israel, that offered themselves willingly. They didn't have to be dragged or poked or prodded uh, like Barak, quite frankly, uh, but they, there were those among the people who willingly said, here I am, uh, God, take me, use me any way you want. And, and, and Deborah's heart is toward them. And uh, she says to them, Bless ye the Lord. Uh, speak ye that ride on white asses, ye that sit in judgment uh, and walk by the way. And that's just a picture of those who are in a position of authority uh, within and, and among the people. Uh, she, she celebrates the fact that they willingly gave themselves to the Lord uh, to be used at this time. And she says, bless ye the Lord. She calls them uh, to praise God. And some would say, well, um, they did what they, they were called to do. Um, maybe they deserve some praise here. Well, maybe they do, but who deserves more praise than them? Uh, the Lord, their maker, uh, the one to whom they submitted, the one to whom uh, gave the plan for victory over Canaan, uh, the one to whom brought that plan to pass uh, as, as each one got into his or her place and allowed the Lord to use them. Uh, these uh, governors, these uh, in authority who gave themselves willingly, yes, you could praise them to some extent, but the, the greater idea is that they're called to praise God uh, for using them as they gave themselves willingly. And just stop there tonight, and uh, boy, that's, a, that's maybe a, a convicting verse when you stop and think about it here. Um, and, and here's where the conviction may come into play. Uh, have I given myself willingly to the Lord? Uh, have I said, Lord, take me, use me? Uh, have I given myself fully to him, recognizing uh, that that's my reasonable service? Uh, have, I, have I grown to a point where I've recognized that doing my own thing, uh, walking for my own purposes, setting my own course in life, it doesn't make sense. And instead, I've set aside my plan and said, God, whatever your plan is, I willingly submit to you and your plan for my life. It's such a better thing. Uh, it's such a better thing. Uh, praise God for having a plan for each of our lives and for strengthening us to take up his plan when we simply yield to him. I think sometimes people say, I, Pastor, I, I, I really, I don't know if I could just give myself over to God and, and walk according to his plan for my life. I don't know if I could do that. And my answer to that is, hey, you know what? I'm pretty sure that you can't do that apart from the Lord strengthening you as you submit to him. 
what uh, our part of the equation is to say, God, you're God, you have a plan that might be different than mine, and so I yield to you. Here I am, take me, use me, do with my life whatever you will. When you yield to the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit steps in today. Uh, the Holy Spirit steps in today and, and uh, empowers us, strengthens us uh, to live according to the plan that God has for our lives. And uh, that's his part. Our part is to just say, here I am. I volunteer for your plan uh, as, as these who willingly gave themselves in Deborah and Brock's day and then allow God to carry out his plan through us as he did in the lives of Deborah and Brock and these other leaders among the people and, and those who served in the armies uh, that they raised up. Praise God for using us when we simply say, here I am, I volunteer, take me, use me. Let's move on, please. In verse 11, we see here Deborah celebrates uh, the deliverance of the citizens from danger. She uh, encourages the everyday people. So uh, she's alluded to the, the leaders, uh, some of the, the noble, if you will, and, uh, and, and now the everyday people she encourages to praise the Lord. That's the rest of us. Verse 11, it says, they that are delivered from the noise of archers, and I think that's the enemy archers, uh, in place of places of drawing waters, they there shall they rehearse the righteous acts of the Lord, even the righteous acts toward the inhabitants of his villages in Israel, then shall the people of the Lord go down to the gates. Well, this is a wonderful picture. Uh, under the oppressive hand of that enemy king of Canaan, uh, they couldn't even travel the highways without fear of uh, having been harassed or, or, or fear of some danger. Now that God has delivered them, they can freely go, not, not fearing the archers of the enemy. Uh, they can go down and draw water where the water is. And uh, as they do that, they can stop and they can uh, rehearse the righteous acts of God. They can praise God and thank him for being a God who has delivered them. And that's what's being encouraged here. She's saying, listen, uh, you everyday people, you know, the rest of us, uh, as the Lord permits you to go about just your everyday activities, uh, that, that can and should be a time for remembering that we have a God who's the one that's allowed us to do that, to, to do that without fear, uh, and, and it's an occasion for celebrating him for that. Now, I realize that today, being in the midst of a trial, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, our situation feels a little bit more like what it probably felt under the oppressive hand of Canaan, uh, the king, and, uh, and, and the enemy army. Uh, we're not able to go out and do the things that we want to do, traveling where we want to go. It feels a little bit more like that situation. Uh, to that, I say, well, remember that uh, in, in Deborah and Barak's day, God had a purpose for that. Uh, it was to encourage the people to get down on their knees and, and humbly repent before God. Uh, it was to encourage uh, national repentance, uh, a national revival in Israel. Uh, boy, I, I don't know, but I, I certainly suspect that God has that kind of intention in the, in the uh, situation that we're in now. Of course, God uh, uh, almost certainly desires that uh, his people would be uh, brought to their knees again and, and, and to cry out to God again, perhaps like we never have before. Uh, and boy, if, if we'll do that, do you think that God might uh, lift this trial, lift this plague, this, this pandemic that is uh, across our communities and our country and uh, all the continents of, of the world. Uh, this, is, this is a very difficult global situation. And uh, boy, we need to be praying, we need to be repenting, we need to be looking for God to search our hearts and to show us those things uh, that we need, to, we need to repent of. Uh, so that we can get back to a time uh, of something more like uh, a normal uh, type of situation uh, where we can go about our normal business rehearsing, remembering, uh, celebrating the righteous acts of the Lord. Uh, please remember tonight that God remains a righteous God. Uh, he's, there's nothing about this uh, pandemic situation that portrays God negatively in any way. There's nothing unrighteous or unjust 
about this situation. It's a loving, righteous God uh, working in the world to accomplish his purposes exactly as he was uh, in Deborah and Barak's day. Uh, Psalm 116 and verse 5 says, Gracious in the Lord and righteous. Psalm 119 and verse 137 says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Uh, would you turn back to Psalm 145, just for a moment, please? Uh, Psalm 145. Uh, Psalm 145, beginning in verse 4, says this. The psalmist says, One generation shall praise thy works to another. This is a prayer. The psalmist prays, Lord, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works, and men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of the great goodness and of thy great goodness, and shall sing of thy righteousness. Verse 17 there says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and holy in all his works. Don't be angry at God for allowing this uh, coronavirus situation. Nothing about it is inconsistent with who God is. God is unchanging. It's not unjust. It's not unrighteous. God is working good and just and righteous purposes. Uh, he's here for us to help us get through the situation. He's here for us to strengthen us to humble ourselves before him. If there's a need for repentance, to repent. Uh, if there's a need for us to learn to trust God and uh, to have our faith grown and, and to seek him for comfort, uh, when we've sought other things for comfort in the past, we can come and say, you know what, Lord, you've, you've taught me that I need to do that. Lord, give me, give me grace and strength to do that now. Well, let's, let's move on here. Verse 12, Deborah uh, recounts the, the efforts to muster the people into battle uh, against Sisera. Uh, verse 12 says, awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, utter a song, arise, Barak, uh, and lead thy captivity uh, captive. And Verse 13 says, Then he made him that remaineth to have dominion over the nobles among the people. Uh, the Lord made me have dominion over the mighty. Verse 14 says, Out of Ephraim was there uh, a root of them against Amalek. After thee, Benjamin, among thy people. Out of Machir, this is Manasseh, came down governors. And out of Zebulun, they that handle the pen of the writer. That, that last phrase there uh, might be a reference to uh, recruiters of sort uh, who would pen down the names who gave themselves willingly or who volunteered to serve in this army to fight against Sisera. Uh, the, the, the tribes here, uh, some of the tribes are alluded to here in verse 14 and uh, the, the Zebulun uh, is, is, is described as, as having those who, who write with a pen. I, I don't know how to take that unless it's to be taken quite literally, penning down the names, recording the names uh, of volunteers. Once you see verse 15 and uh, through 18, and uh, that's probably as far as we'll go tonight, uh, it records the uh, choices that the individual tribes made uh, as Deborah and Barak were raising up uh, an army, as, as people were being called to willingly give themselves. Some of the tribes willingly did that, and some did not. I want to just begin seeing uh, this part of the song here, and we'll probably need to stop after that tonight, but let's see this part, please. Verse 15, the Bible says, And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah, uh, even Issachar, and also Barak. He was sent on foot into the valley. And the Bible says this, for the divisions of Reuben, there were great thoughts of heart. Uh, verse 16 says, why abodest thou among the sheepfolds to hear the bleeding of the flocks? For the divisions of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Now go back please to verse 15. We have a description here of Issachar, uh, the Bible says he was sent on foot into the valley. Uh, so here's a tribe, here's a people who willingly gave of themselves, volunteered, put themselves into harm's way, uh, went on foot to the place of battle. And then evidently, in contrast to those who willingly gave of themselves, we have Reuben, uh, the tribe of Reuben, who is not described as willingly going, but being a tribe that got caught up 
having great thoughts of hearts. And then halfway through verse 16, there's a, there's a reference there to divisions. Evidently, there were different factions within Reuben. Some wanted to go, some said no. Uh, there were great thoughts of heart. There was uh, great debate, uh, great division, great discussion, but evidently they never got from discussion and debate to action. And please remember tonight, there's a big difference between thinking about and praying about serving the Lord and actually doing it. Uh, it's not enough to think about or even to pray about serving the Lord. Uh, we are called to get beyond thought uh, to submission, to actually doing that which he has called us to do. Sometimes I think there's temptation to say, well, I'm thinking a lot about serving. I'm planning to serve. I'm praying about serving. I'm discussing and debating serving with, with others. That's not necessarily a bad thing so long as it actually results in service. It's good to pray and to plan and to plan and to pray and to discuss and debate uh, in a multitude of counselors. There's safety, but we need to get from those things to actually doing the service that God has for us. The tribe of Reuben evidently never got to uh, that place. See verse 13, there's three more here that do not get into action. They do not take part uh, in, in the conquering of Sisera uh, and his army. Here's uh, verse 17, uh, Gilead. This be part of the half-tribe of Manasseh, uh, abode beyond Jordan. Remember, they stayed on the other side of the Jordan, uh, not coming into the land proper. Uh, and the Bible says, and why did Dan... Uh, the tribe of Dan remain in ships. And then the Bible says of Asher. Asher, uh, the tribe, continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches. Uh, a breach would be a, a safe place along the shore, uh, maybe a hollow or, or some, some safe cove uh, where there would be a place of relatively safety, uh, relative safety uh, along the seashore. Now listen, we don't have much time uh, left tonight, but I want you to quickly see uh, there's three tribes here that did not participate in the liberating of the people from uh, the Canaanites and Sisera's army. And the language that the Holy Spirit uh, uses here is, is very instructive, I believe, in why uh, they did not take part. See first, and we're done. Uh, Gilead, uh, Gilead abode beyond Jordan. That's all it says. That, that's all it says. Uh, I think the idea here is that they felt that they were in a position of safety uh, and therefore had no real interest in, in liberating those who were beyond the Jordan, uh, on the other side of the Jordan, uh, from those Canaanites who lived there and who oppressed the people of God, the tribes of Israel uh, who lived there. They had a wrong-hearted self-interest. They did not feel any immediate danger to themselves and, and therefore did not feel compelled to aid uh, their brothers and sisters and the other tribes across the Jordan. Uh, and some might say, well, that, that sounds, that sounds right-hearted to me, Pastor. Well, it might be, except that they were all, all of the tribes were the nation of Israel. Uh, there's, there's no distinction in that sense. They, they were all God's people. They were called to be one nation under God, uh, to live and function uh, as a nation. Yes, there's tribal divisions that, that God had ordained for his purposes, uh, but they were, they were called to function uh, with national interests under God, and, and they did not. There's a wrong-hearted self-interest, it would seem. Lord, help us to uh, stand guard against a wrong-hearted, prideful self-interest. You see Dan here, the tribe of Dan. I believe here you can see a wrong focus or wrong, uh, wrong priorities. Uh, the Bible says here simply of the tribe of Dan, uh, it's a question. It's a question. See, see the middle of verse 17. Uh, the Bible says, why did Dan remain in ships? Well, what would ships be used for? They would be used for commerce. They would be used for uh, business, transporting goods as part of industry or commerce. 
Uh, and so I think what we see here is the idea uh, that they were too focused on their business interest to get involved in the greater national interest of liberating their brothers and sisters from this uh, enemy that had oppressed the larger part uh, of the nation, of the people. They, had, uh, they were more focused on their business interests uh, than in God's interest in liberating the nation from the oppression of, of the Canaanites. Lord, help us to not place business interests, uh, financial interests, uh, greed. Lord, help, help, help us to have hearts that will not be given over to greed uh, instead of the interests and, and priorities that our God has called us to. And then finally, we'll stop here. We see it set up Asher. They continued on the seashore, end of verse 17, and abode in his or the breaches, uh, breaches, a place of relative safety along the seashore, uh, a cove or something like that. Uh, it would seem that the tribe of Asher uh, preferred safety over placing themselves in harm's way, and so cowardness would seem to be an issue here. There was, there was a real cowardness among the people of Asher. Lord, help us to not be cowards. Lord, help us when you call us into action, when you call us to give ourselves willingly to serve you, that we would not allow fear or cowardness uh, to prevent us from springing into action at the time and place that you call us to. Uh, we see here, you know, probably all of us have struggled with these things, a, a wrong-hearted self-interest, a, a struggle with priorities, a wrong focus, a, a degree of fear. Probably all of these things uh, have troubled us or have been roadblocks uh, or temptations that have prevented us or delayed us from getting into the place of service that God has called us to. Uh, let's be aware tonight that these are natural tendencies and that uh, we may well struggle with these things. We need to stand guard against them. And if we recognize in our own hearts that these temptations have become just that, temptations that prevent us from serving, we do well to confess that to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I need you to uh, push out the cowardice, to push out the self-interest, to put out, push out the wrong priorities and Lord, help me to be bold for you and help me to, to, to give Christ the preeminence in my life uh, that he deserves. And, and Lord, to, to help me to uh, not place my own interests above your interests, to uh, put myself under you, to humble myself under you and your plan. Well, the tribe struggled and some did not participate according to God's plan uh, as a result. Uh, that's a hard place to stop. We'll see, uh, we'll see more positive things and, and celebration of obedience uh, next week, next Wednesday night, Lord willing. But let's stop there and pray. Father, I thank you tonight. Uh, I thank you for the fact that this, this chapter is a wonderful celebration of victory. Yes, it does point to some who, uh, who did not participate in the victory. And Lord, I thank you tonight that it does point to some of the reasons. Uh, that's for our instruction. That's to teach us to stand guard against those same temptations that might prevent us from serving you the way that you call us to serve. Uh, Father, I do pray tonight that you would help us to do that. Lord, if, if we're struggling with, with any of those things that prevented the tribes from participating in that victory, I pray we take a moment even now and and confess that. Just bring it to you, Father, and say, Lord, I recognize in, in my own heart, in my own mind, I've struggled with some of these same things. Uh, Father, I, I come to you tonight, and I pray you'd help me to deal with that. Uh, give me grace to put off this thing that's, that's been a, a roadblock. And Lord, I pray you would break up that roadblock and, and help me to, uh, to have the courage and, and priorities that I should. And Father, that you would help me to be prayerful about how I can be serving you now, uh, during the, the heart of this uh, pandemic, and Lord, how I can, uh, how you would have me to be serving you as things return back to normal. Lord, I pray tonight that you would work in our hearts, show us, search us, Father, where there needs to be confession and prayer for a right heart to be put on in place of a wrong heart. Father, I love you tonight. I thank you. I praise you for these things. In Jesus' name.
to take our hymn sheets and turn to number 254. We'll sing, Give Me Oil in My Lamp, the first and the last. Seeming there's only two verses of number 254. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. Sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna to the King of Kings. Sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna to the King. Make me a fisher of men, keep me seeking. Make me a fisher of men, I pray. Make me a fisher of men, keep me seeking. Seeking souls till Jesus comes again. Sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna to the King of Kings. Sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna, sing, Hosanna to the King. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word. I pray you'd help us to apply it and bless our time of prayer now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <laughs> 